0: Good morning, good Good morning, uh, good afternoon, actually, why did I say good morning, good afternoon. Uh, Thank you so much everybody that's watching right now. Thank you for tuning in. I see slowly people are dropping in and that is great. Um, today we have uh, another great guest on the show. The woman that knows it all, all the ins and outs when it comes to successfully set up any type of bespoke and creative event from conferences to exhibitions, weddings to funerals, seminars to food shows. Nicola, reader. Welcome, Nicola.
1: Thank you so much. That's quite um, a challenge there, the woman that knows <laughs> it all. Thank you.
0: <laughs> I, I, I figured I might as well do the introduction really good. Um, <laughs> but uh, maybe um, first off, uh, go ahead and maybe t- introduce yourself a little bit. Tell a little bit more about yourself, where you're from, uh, the things that you do. And let's sure. start, here.
1: Yeah. Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me on the show today, guys. I'm really looking forward to this chat. Um, as you said, my name's Nicola Reader. I run a company uh, called Twelfth Man Solutions with my husband Steve. Um, and as part of that, we have an exhibitions division called Pro Extra. And really, it's quite simple in that we help businesses that are exhibiting at events or participating in conferences or exhibitions make as much money as they possibly can from that. So get the best returns that they can from those events. And our passion, I'm a little exhibition geek. I've been around exhibitions for the last 20 years. Mm -hmm. I think they're amazing places to be. And I just want to help all of those people who are putting so much time and effort and money into exhibiting to get absolutely the best they can back out of it, to grow their businesses, and hopefully have a bit of fun along the way as well.
0: That's, that's the most important part of it, right? So, uh, before, I mean, interesting topic to talk about before uh, we head into that topic, I want to say if anyone has any questions for either Nicola, me or Darren, definitely let us know down in the chat. We can read them and we can answer those questions. So definitely don't forget, uh, if you have any questions to let us know. Um, so right into, uh, obviously the topic. Um you believe that um that live events are a crucial part of a, a marketing mix for any business. So Absolutely. why is that? Because not obviously I mean not a lot actually not many people are doing that I guess.
1: Yeah not not at the moment unfortunately. Um
0: oh, well not at the moment anyway. <laughs> it's
1: true. Um, I think the part that was really important about what you've just said is that they're part of a marketing mix, and it has to be aligned with everything else you do. And as much as digital can't stand alone as a piece of marketing or TV or any other channel or medium you're using, then events will only be as good as absolutely everything else you have in your marketing mix. And they have to be consistent, and they have to be, it has to be really clear about what your proposition is, the problem that you solve for your customers, mm-hmm. and how you're going to execute that. So as long as it's part of a mix, then exhibitions can work. As a one-off event that you do alone yeah. and the customers never hear from you again, it's going to be really tough to make them work. But we are naturally people who want to be with other people. We want to build relationships. We want to talk face-to-face. Um, we want to touch and feel and taste and smell and look at all those different things that exhibitions can bring to life that you don't get from digital perhaps um, or from any other medium you might use or pr- print advertising. Yeah. So. They are a fundamental part of that mix we are inherently social and we want to meet people and build relationships and it's quicker and cheaper to convert leads that come in from a live event and from an exhibition about 40 percent cheaper and quicker than it would be from a lead that came in from any other mm. kind of sales medium so wow. as part of a mix they're really important
0: those numbers aren't lying and not bad at all would you just say is, is it that high wow that's really interesting so but obviously also the thing that you mentioned that kind of like stood out a little bit, uh, it, it, you, if, if I was correct, you said, well, it's not a one-time thing. It's basically you need to be consistent. And that's, that's the thing, that consistency is something that keeps on coming back in everything that you do. So that's kind of like, okay, so that's interesting to hear.
1: Yeah, I think that that consistency... A lot of research shows that um, on average, a buyer will need to hear or see something seven times before they make a decision to act on it. So if you go to one show and that's your only piece of marketing for the year, you're kind of working on the chance, fingers crossed, that the right person walks past your stand and has a conversation. Um, And that might happen or it might not. Actually, about 16% of visitors probably see exhibitors. So it's a real kind of random association and a hope that somebody's going to stop by your stand. But if you've got pre-show marketing, be that print advertising, be it digital, be it your own customer communications where somebody's hearing about you and seeing you and getting interested in what you do, and then they see you at a show, and then you've
0: got something
1: else. All the time you're building that trust, you're building that recognition, you're building their understanding of what you do. So it is that consistency of the messaging is the same, and they keep hearing it to a point where they've seen it seven times on average, and then they'll think, right. Okay. I might be in a position to buy now
0: because that's the point, right? Events are not necessarily just the moment in which you are having the event itself It's the part in front during and after that makes it a whole success. And then being consistent in terms of like doing that multiple times over, because as you said, they don't make a purchase or they don't turn into a warm lead or a customer right away. Hmm.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And we would say actually, they're doing it for an exhibition if it's three days. That's kind of the easy bit, really. As long as you've done all your planning and you've got your follow up ready to go, it's, it's just the, the execution. Goals, yeah, yeah <laughs> that's the easy bit. <laughs> hmm,
0: that's interesting. That's definitely interesting to hear. So, in terms of, you know, there are many types of different events. So, would you say that it doesn't really matter what type of event? That you kind of like, I mean, there are events, obviously, those are correlated to the topic, obviously, but it doesn't really matter if you're like at a big event. I think it comes down to the, 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 the stuff that you do in front and after it, right? It's that build up and build up your name for people to visit you on that specific day. And then it's just execution. I was like curious, does it really matter what type of event you specifically focus on? But I think that's out of the equation anyway because it really comes down to the execution part, so.
1: I think it's really, it's a really interesting question. I think um, what we so often hear from exhibitors who haven't had as successful an event as they want is that, mm-hmm. oh, we just always do it every year. So when you try and drill down about why are you there? What are you trying to achieve? Why have you invested in this show? Oh, well, we just go to it every year and we have done it for the last 20 years. And there's no objective, there's no clarity about what they actually wanted to get out of it. So before you pick the event you go to, as part of that marketing mix and planning your marketing strategy, it's been really clear about who do we want to talk to, what do we want to say, and how do we help them? And then find the right event that brings you that audience who are the right position to buy from you, that have a problem that you can solve and it might be a conference it might be a small networking event it might be a big exhibition it might be speaking as a, a speaker at a, an exhibition or or event so kind of understand what what it is you actually want to achieve before you pick the event because it's never going to work for you if you're at the wrong event
2: yeah it's true. You probably think, right. oh sorry i just no. died in there how long do you think you should prepare for you know how long should businesses prepare for an event
1: um, gosh, the average is four to six weeks. My personal view is it's 12 to 18 months. So that's what wow. put into it. Yeah, it's, it's a long, old running. And um, we, we've been talking before, and one of my favorite phrases is, you know, don't boil the ocean, boil the kettle. And people kind of get to six weeks before and think,
0: oh, my God, I've got to do
1: absolutely everything now. How do I do it? Well, if you just break it down into bite-sized chunks over 12 to 18 months, You'll spend the same amount of time on it, but it'll seem so much more relaxed, so much more planned. You've got time to react to decisions and changes. Um, So, yeah, definitely. And you should be talking to your customers or the people that you want to meet at a show 18 months before.
0: It also takes time, obviously, to settle in the – The information that you're pushing through obviously needs some time for the people to set in as well. If you're aggressively pushing all the information, they probably won't remember that much. But it's being continuously, continuous push information. So how long before did you say? Two to three
1: months? Twelve to eighteen months is what I would recommend.
0: Whoa.
1: (laughs) Four to six weeks that people start planning for an exhibition.
2: Wow. And Marcel, you, you you create motion graphics, don't you, for these big events and some of these global events?
0: Um... I do, I do. From time to time, definitely, I include this motion graphics, but it's most of the time it is last minute work. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's the world that's of productions. A
0: lot's done very last minute. Yeah, and and I think that that might be the potential key to running a successful event, uh, yeah, is running up, taking your time, obviously building up the time frame, building up the momentum. And then at the moment, uh, the momentum is the live event and then make sure that you keep in contact with these people afterwards. All right. So that's, that's, that's interesting to hear. So how, and, and so the best value or the ve- most value that you can get out of these live events is is just friendships how, what, what kind of mindset did you, do you need to go to these live events? Is it just getting to know people providing value, obviously. So what if you have some tips about that? So how would you yeah,
1: I think one of the things we often hear from lots of the clients we work with is you just can't measure an event in the way that you could measure digital um, or you could measure a TV ad or you could measure even coverage in a piece of print. Um, and you absolutely can measure events, but you have to know what you're trying to achieve. So that whole kind of starting point of setting those objectives, being really, really clear about what do we want to get out of this? What is it that we're hoping to achieve? And that that objective, it might be a revenue one. So it might be we want to meet 15 potential new customers. We think in 12 months we can convert of them, and we think they'll spend on average a £1,000 with us. You've then got a number to work to, and that number will help you understand how much money you actually want to invest. You might have an objective that's around, we want to actually just give our team some training and some some guidance around managing big projects. We want to to give them that chance. We want to network with people in our industry. We want to find somebody we can collaborate with and maybe do a, a joint association or partnership with. We want to get on the speaker platform and talk about some new research that we've done, or a white paper that we've launched, or it could be a whole host of reasons. We might just want to speak to our existing customers because it's far more efficient to get a hundred customers to you in one place than it is to send your salespeople out to see a
0: hundred people. Hmm, so, and that's different perspectives, and that's interesting because mm-hmm. I haven't looked at it it that way, and I think the people watching doesn't either. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, not many people think about their existing customers. And on average, about two-thirds of visitors to a trade show stand will be new customers that that business doesn't deal with. But that leaves a third of existing customers that already do. But we never really think about, so what have I got as an offer for that existing customer? What am I doing that's different and new and exciting for them? Because they already know a lot about you. and It might just be having a coffee and a chat and a up. Maybe that's all they want. But that's really valuable time that it would, if you've got to drive to them and, you know, put it into your diary, all takes time. So so in terms of that kind of, you know, how do you value, what is the value of live events? What do you get out of it?
0: It's what what you you want
1: to get out of it.
0: Yeah, it's what you want to have out of it and then set the measurable goals and actions towards that, what you want to get out of it. And then... But, you know, exactly the answer that you were just given, that was kind of like what I was going for. So there's much more than just getting exactly, basically, uh, direct leads and stuff like that. So it's kind of like also interesting to have all these people at one place, get all of their opinions in one place. It's so much more, and it will save time. But one thing, obviously, that we cannot deny is that it sounds like a lot of work. And it's very expensive. And I, and I know good things take time. So don't get me wrong. I'm not bashing you, but I'm, my, um, I can understand that. Some people think that, basically. So yeah. it, it does, right? But it's in the end. Or how, how when somebody says that, when somebody says to you, Nicola, well, that just it takes a lot of time and probably very expensive. What is your direct response to a person that says that?
1: You're absolutely right, is my (laughs) back. I can't help you get more out of it. I can't make them cost less or take any less less time to plan. I'm not a magician. So kind of the conversation we have then is very much around, well, what do you think you can get back out of it? What's the value? So if you have a product that you sell for 99p and you think you can Mm -hmm. only meet 100 people there and they're only ever going to buy it once at 99p, To put £50,000 into a trade show would, would be ridiculous. It's absolutely not the right marketing tactic for you. And it isn't right for every business. So it's really about thinking, how much do we think revenue do we think we can generate from this? You know, what is the business plan? How many people are we going to meet? What can we upsell to existing customers? How many new customers can we recruit? What collaborations can we make? What PR returns can we get from it? once you've added all those numbers up and you think, actually, we think we can make £100,000 from this and it's going to cost us about £25,000 to actually invest to do it properly, that's your business to decide whether that's a good enough return for you or not.
0: Um, That's true. And sometimes it doesn't have to need a return at all. It can also just be a cost and it ends up in something that comes back at you in a different way, obviously, in terms of Yeah.
1: And as long as you – so some of the – Conversations that are most difficult about it exhibitions are those internal ones where you've got those really cynical finance directors going, We're not investing in exhibitions, we never get anything back from them. <laughs> and it's kind of okay not to get anything back from them if True. that's your plan. And it's easy to have the conversation up front to say, We are not looking to get cash out of this, we are just a new business, and we want our presence to be felt. Our competitors are going to be there, so we need to be sh- to show that we're still in business as long as that's your stated of objective and everybody's bought into that you get to the end of it and you haven't generated any money that's okay because that's what you plan to do and, and there are some businesses that, that will exhibit for those reasons
0: it's true in the end it's your own choice it comes down to what it, uh, what it is you value and what what you want to get out of it but one thing is for sure then it does take time so that's something to consider and definitely cost the money and that you cannot deny that but i think nowadays and if you, both of you don't agree, definitely let me know. And also for the people watching, uh, hello there. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you have any questions for either one of us during our talk, definitely let us know down in the comments. I already saw Corinne Helmink uh, say, it was very interesting to hear about the organization and the impact on live events. It does. It has a lot of impact, obviously. But um, where was I? <laughs> I totally got distracted by that. Um,
2: i was going to ask you a question anyway. Uh, just while yeah, you're, okay, well, then, then you go like ahead. That.
0: I got distracted myself. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you, you have some really great tips and great stories about people who um, – it's one of your – you think about eating on the stand that you really just like. It's your pet haze, isn't it? So tell us about that.
1: Yeah, I think Pro Extra, the business really came from the fact that um, we were working more and more with event organisers because they were saying – we're just hearing from exhibitors that they're saying they're not getting much back from exhibitions and we can't understand what more it is we need to do. So we almost did quite a few mystery shops around the show floors at different events and looked at what people were doing. Um, And there are so many exhibitors who were just stood with the backs to people. They're on their phones. They're having a sales meeting. They're eating their sandwich on the stand. You know, who on (laughs) earth as a visitor would want to approach somebody thinking you've just had a chicken mayonnaise sandwich. I'm going to get sprayed in that if we talk. um, (laughs) You know, it's just, why would you have a good show when those are your standards? This is your window your shop window for really showing off how great your business is, and yet you look like you can't be bothered. so we have seen that time and time and time again from people who and and event organizers have worked really hard to create the spaces where exhibitors can go away from the stand you know little loungers and those kind of places and but the investment in sending enough people to a stand so that you can send people off on breaks and they can go and eat their sandwiches out of the way is obviously big. You need a, you know a big team and a rotor and to be thinking about your squad um, to do something like that. You know to, to give people breaks. But yeah, it's just you just think why on earth are you doing that? It just looks so. Funny. <laughs> <sighs>
0: Oh, yeah. Well, it, it is horrible. And, you know, I think it comes down to being just consciousness about what it is you're doing. If you're eating that chicken, ham, sandwich, or whatever, <laughs> with mayonnaise, um, yeah, you might as well already think like, well, I might not do that in front of my stance. So that, the, those are some common mistakes. So if if we talk about that a little bit, elaborate a little bit more on that, you know, I'm just trying to get like in terms of some common mistakes that you see. Well, one thing is for sure that people – uh, pre uh, event, because we're talking about three stages right now. Uh, pre event, people underestimate it uh, um, at the shows themselves. They think, you know, they don't have to go to a lunch room to eat their dinner, whatever. So, so, what are some common mistakes that you see very often and that people m- c- can get a lot of value out of it in those three stages, maybe?
1: So, I, I think one thing underpinning Um, a lot of the mistakes that we see is just not reading the exhibitor manual. So every single show will have its own operations directory, whether that's a, a hard copy file of paperwork, whether it's something that's a portal online. And within that exhibitor manual is every single possible bit of information that you could need from booking your car parking passes to getting entry badges to get in, to the weights and dimensions of your stand, to absolutely everything. And people don't put the time into that and then they're just constantly going to the event organizers saying i've got a question about i've got a question about this I've got a question about this it's like it's in the manual it's in the manual just read the manual read it a <laughs> number of times we've seen people turn up with a stand that doesn't fit the space that they've been given or with a big piece of machinery that the floor of an exhibition hall can't take or that's a double decker sand that they've never had permission for so Health and safety will come along on the day you've put up your shiny, amazing double decker stand with a cafe on the roof and say, I'm really sorry, you've got no wheelchair access. Nobody can get upstairs. And that's not safe. We're taking it down. And that's probably cost you 100, 150,000 pounds to build and you have to take it down. And that's just heartbreaking. You can't do anything. So that's one thing around the exhibitor manual, will really help you with those things. In terms of the pre-show marketing, there is absolutely stacks that event organisers do, from digital portals to their own social medias to newsletters going out to um, the visitors to all sorts of stuff they do. And exhibitors just never participate in that. A lot of them don't even look at all those opportunities. And you can do your own social media, but you're trying to find the audience. The event organisers social media and marketing is going directly to that audience. Yeah, Why
0: obviously.
1: wouldn't you just exploit it? So. For me, those are some of the kind of biggest things that, that go wrong and always using your sales team as the people on a stand and salespeople aren't necessarily the right temperament for what you need at an exhibition, which is much more of a conversation and yeah. selling more relationship building. So so those are, I think, the things. And, and then you know afterwards, the big thing that people get wrong is just not following up. 13% of leads get followed up on average after a show and the rest get binned. So what's the point of being there if you're not going to contact anybody
0: afterwards it's true right it's building that connection and it isn't just about a one-time opportunity to con to talk with them it's even building that relation and that's the continuously thing and the the, the ongoing thing that you talked about you know and then leading them up to the next exhibition staying in their mind that's what marketing obviously is about it's kind of like sticking in that person's mind and and you know uh over time they will make a decision to either purchase or recommend you to a, another person obviously that's a little bit more marketing related but yeah definitely a part of so i think those were some nice uh, nice tips Mixed, was, and it's was, funny right
2: i was going kind of to ask you Nicola, do you think there's with this big shift to virtual exhibitions do you think the same rules apply obviously you're not there in person but you know obviously the pre-marketing you've talked about that's that's very valuable but the actual experience on the day do you still think it's worth businesses getting involved and still putting in the same amount of planning that they usually do
1: yeah it's a really interesting question and it's been um it's just been such a difficult time to see what's happened to the exhibition Industry over the last six months, you know, it ground to a halt overnight, pretty much, and virtual exhibitions were seen as the um, the answer to everything that was was wrong with with exhibitions being closed. Um, so I think I don't want to get into like an, an either or debate. Virtual exhibitions absolutely have their place, and they do a job for some things. Live exhibitions likewise have a place and do their job. And if they could work together harmonio- harmoniously, it would be fantastic. It's it's not for me a case of either or. I think whether you're doing virtual or whether you're doing a live um, event, absolutely that pre-planning of who do we want to talk to? What do we want to say? What problem do we solve for them? It's exactly the same. Knowing and having that clarity around your proposition and your credibility is really important for either of them. And then you'll prepare slightly differently. So there's bound to be more logistics involved in going to a live event, getting stuff from place to place, getting people on the stand, working out, how many brochures you need, what your graphics are going to look like. But equally for a virtual event, just because you don't have some of those logistical things, you should still spend the time thinking about how do we make this an experience for people? How do we make it so that people remember us? As you were just saying myself, how do we keep Mm -hmm. in their minds? What do we make memorable about this? And we're all spending so much time on screens at the moment and doing so much by Zoom. It's really easy to be forgotten um, because we're doing it all the time. So it's putting the same amount of thought and effort into how do we make it memorable, how do we make it relevant, um, and then how do we follow up and keep in touch with people. So, I think there's there's no excuse for not doing your planning for virtual events. It's not the easy option. It still needs time, money, and effort.
0: Definitely, and just thinking about it in that way, you know, you have live events and events online, basically. Live events probably make a lot of more impact. So they are, it's logical that they take more time to set up and all the stuff that comes together because it's an experience. I mean, you can do a, 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 an online event as well and you can also attach experience to that, but you're kind of like still limited to the software that you use, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah.
1: I think, and especially a couple of the events that, that we work on, um, so I say in the food and drink world, you know, when you're in the NEC in Birmingham and there's 1,000, 2,000 exhibitors there or, or one of the big f- shows down in London and they're all giving you these sights and smells and sounds and they're cooking and you can taste it and you can feel it and you can see is the right? and you can get excited about it and you can chat to other people. You know, that, that's just amazing. And that would be really hard to replicate um,
2: yeah.
1: kind of o- online, I think. And likewise, Windows Doors and Conservatories, another event we work on, The Fit Show, where people say, oh, is it that exciting an environment? Well, actually, flipping heck, yes, it is. When you get on the show floor and there's all these fantastic new windows and doors and new glass that's been cut to amazing shapes and sizes you've never seen before, it's really, ex- you know, I'm kind of sounding like a window geek now, but it yeah. is really exciting.
0: <laughs> You're um, getting really excited. But it's, yeah, on a screen. So. So, yeah, right. It's the emotion that you can build up and that you can get out of it, basically. So that's, it's true That's something that's really hard to be done online and obviously you can spend a lot of time and maybe that's a really interesting field for people to invest in. Like, okay, how can we make that? And obviously this is not something new. A lot of people are doing is How can we make that online event as impactful as possible? But you know, there are many things that you can add up to it, such as, I don't know, apps in terms of live events and okay. Well, I think that area is. Explored way more lately uh, in terms of what the possibilities are. Obviously, due to COVID, everything is not possible right now. So that area is something that's definitely more invested into. And I think there's a lot of stuff to get. What is your uh, take on if, if we... Obviously, events will be coming back. But if we have to look right now to the future and say, well... And you and your feeling, your gut feeling, What is it, what, what are we heading towards? Obviously more online, but also uh, a lot of more crazy ideas than just a live session online. Or what is it that you feel that will be coming up in the next year?
1: Yeah. It's really, really difficult to, to predict. I mean, we were heading for a 1st of October opening of business events. I think just before we came on air today, that's changed. Um, unfortunately. Um, so there's probably a few things around that. For me, the, if there's one message I could get across to exhibitors and visitors, it's that event organisers have been keeping you safe at exhibitions for decades. So whether it's about making sure structures don't fall over, the threats from terrorism when we had it at some, and protests at some of the big defence shows, making sure that food's um, safe for you to consume in all of those food concessions and food areas. And you know whatever the risk might be, event organisers have been keeping people safe for decades, this is no different. They will still keep people safe, um, yeah. and it's just another set of guidelines. So I hope the government and the people that need to hear that message. You know, it's, it can be a very controlled environment in an exib- environment in an exhibition. We know where people are coming from. We can test them. We can take the temperatures. We can keep it very controlled. Um, so it should it be. Is, right? So hopefully, that confidence—that's going to be our biggest issue as, as event organisers. We can open events, we can manage the risk because that's what we do week in, week out. It's not a big deal. But getting the confidence from visitors and exhibitors to come back
0: is what's going to be really difficult.
1: Where I hope things will go, there's probably two big outputs, I think, from the COVID situation. One is that there is more online events, and I hope that we see more hybrid events and that shows, rather than being three days, become a year-long event. So they'll have their three days when the shows open, but then across the whole year, they'll keep their community engaged. They'll keep being the facilitator, the authority that's bringing communities together, that's bringing buyers and sellers together. So they become much more than just a three-day event. They'll be little workshops, yeah, yeah, yeah. conferences, little networking groups, all sorts of things. So that any exhibition becomes just an annual, it's an annual event of which the three-day live bit is just an element of that. That, that would be brilliant. I hope we don't get into a either or debate. Um In general, in the industry about online versus um, live, because this place. No,
0: it's just different. It's just totally different. It's just one is for the other, one thing, and one is for the other thing. So, it's just a different way of, uh, uh, you know, people that live outside of the country also to interact with them. But I like that idea actually. You know, make it this a year-long thing because it's actually that is what it's all about. It's kind of like the people that come there; they have this certain amount of interest, and if you can keep them during the year on the same platform, obviously you can create some kind of engagement and some some kind of commitment. And uh, it's much more than just these few days, basically, because that's what's happened. Why right? it's true. I mean. You know, this, this, this event coming up, it's kind of like it starts off, you get a flyer or something in your mail and then it's kind of like builds up to that and then leads up to that certain moment and then it builds off and it's kind of get your tickets for next year and that's it.
1: Yeah. Hmm. So we want to definitely want to change Change that so that it it feels like you've got engagement and you've got a community the whole year round. I
0: like that. I really like that idea. Building that community and making it really about like, well, we're not just doing this once a year. It's kind of like this whole thing, you know, and then you get events um, organized from organizations that are just totally invested into making this, you know, that are, how would you say it? It's kind of like this difference between something that's all round and specialist. So then you get this kind of groups that are yeah it's just an identity that you're making yeah. I think that's what it comes down to and it has different shapes and forms online on the spot so I'm sure it's kind of like already go it will be heading more towards that direction that's interesting it to is. hear
1: it is and I think the what I've been really impressed with um, is those event companies over the last six months who have not tried to move their event online but have tried to create a community online so I've seen um, some really good examples of where people have done um, networking um, for their, their audiences or they've done masterclasses or they've done launches or awards or um, just kind of like troubleshooting check-ins. So if you've got a problem on a furlough question, why not you know, sit in on this, this teaching that we're doing and we'll answer your questions. And So they've not tried to say our three-day event's going online and we're just sticking a load of exhibitors up on a the platform. They've really tried to build a community thinking about what does our community need at this current time? And, and there's some of that that's been done brilliantly.
0: And that's why it makes sense that we go back to the first thing, that it's part, part of the marketing yes. uh, strategy, the marketing mix. Sorry, I had to look. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, it's part of the marketing mix. Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. fine. Now it makes sense. Before. One thing I was
2: going to ask you before we finish up is... Um, is that very often, you mentioned it right at the beginning of the podcast about it, people sort of kind of standing back on the stands and then people kind of walking past and there's this like, this this fear from the person on the stands thinking, how do I engage? And then the people walking past thinking, don't sell to me, don't look at me. How do you, how, what's your one tip you can provide to people to overcome that situation?
1: Um, have an opening line, write your, write your opening lines. So, yeah. Um, so often we'll say to people, so what's the first thing that's going to come out of your, your mouth when somebody's walking past your stand and we get, uh, oof, um, ooh, not, not sure, don't really know. And actually it's just that, that lack of confidence that, that makes you think, oh, God, I just don't want to stop that person. But if you've got four or five just lines rehearsed in your head as in, that help you move the conversation along, because what you don't want to be saying is the first thing to somebody walking past is, do you want to buy from me? Because it's just... Way too salesy, I know, right? Kind of, are you having a good day? Well, the visitor's just going to go, yeah, thanks, and carry on walking. So you've got to find that question that's something along the lines of, so tell me about what you're here looking for today. And that will start a very natural conversation around, what's that visitor here for? What's their specific problem? And if they say, oh, actually, I've just, I've just driven my daughter here. I'm just having a wander around while she's looking at something else. That person isn't really worth an awful, an awful lot of your time, and you can dispatch them quite quickly. If you're an accountant and they're saying, I oh, don't you know what, my accountant's just retired and I'm desperately looking for somebody new who I can trust. Well, brilliant. That starts the conversation off straight away. So it's, it's rehearse those lines that help you get to the next natural part in the conversation. But it's really scary. I, I, sometimes people say to me, oh, God, you must find it so easy standing on exhibition stands. I, I'm not. I'm terrible. I'm the kind of wallflower Wilmer in the background just going, God, don't talk to me. I don't like it. But having those questions in your, in your head ready to go will definitely help.
0: Thank you. That's such a great, great, great ending. I, I want to elaborate a little bit on that, but I think we can just leave it with that. It's true, right? So don't sell, just provide value. And it's really nice to hear that you say, if they're just, well, I'm just looking around, then they're probably not interested anyway.
1: But. Yeah, you are allowed to just dispatch those people. Remember that 80% of people in that show, um, Paul, will never buy from you. So if you can identify that 80% really quickly. Get them moved on and get to' so your time <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are t- total time wasters you want them off your stand as quick as possible so.
0: that's true well it was really really nice talking uh, with you today and I I definitely learned a lot I hope the people that are watching also learned a lot quite well Darren uh, how how did you uh,
2: I, I, I always I think it's amazing I when I, I did the training myself last year, mm-hmm. I know we were talking off the podcast before um, we, we mm-hmm. joined, but I did the training with um, Nicola and Steve last year and I was I was really amazed. I thought I knew something about exhibitions, but actually it turned out to be this amount and actually how much I learned was a like, huge amount. And I'm still telling people today um, how much I learned. I really do. I was talking to somebody last week, which I'm kind of um, introducing to Nicola, and like, you've got to do it, you just have to do it because you just learn so much about making, it's not just turning up you know, a few weeks beforehand and thinking, well, I've got this together, what are we going to say? Right, let's go and do it. It is this kind of 12-month, 12, 12 to 18-month plan. It's, it's crazy.
0: It totally shifted my mindset right yeah. now. I'm, I, at first I was like, okay, how can this be part of the marketing mix? And I'm like, well, this makes sense that it's part of the marketing mix because you need to build it out. It's kind of like part of the whole thing. Yeah.
2: It is. It's is amazing. But before you go, Nicola, tell people where they can find you and more details yeah. where you're on social media and if they want to speak to you about exhibitions.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I would love to answer any questions that you have. So um, our website is inspiringexhibitors.com. Um, and there's a fortnightly blog on there. Um, we also have the Exhibitionist podcast where we speak to lots of people right across the industry and they share their experience and tips. And that goes out on Spotify and Apple and Podbean uh, every fortnight. Um, I'm Nicola Reader, uh, you can find me on LinkedIn and ProExtra um, is also on Twitter and Instagram as well, so. And
2: one caveat about if you're searching for the podcast, The Exhibitionist. Don't searching <laughs> for the,
1: the book. We, we have a book out called The Exhibitionist, which was launched uh, last year. But if you go and look for this on Amazon and you Google The Exhibitionist, I make no apologies for the books that come up next to it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much again. Uh,
1: thank, you, thank you so much for having me, guys.
0: It was, it was our pleasure, totally our pleasure. So, um, yeah, thank you again, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Um, also, don't forget to subscribe to our channels. We are tuning in every, almost every week. Um, this video pla- uh, is also, we also do the audio form that is on Spotify, Spotify and Apple Podcast. The, uh, uh, the Brain Bites, <laughs> I wanted to say the marketing Legend podcast, that was our previous podcast. Oh my. Uh, yeah. On Brain Bites, definitely look it up. You can find us basically anywhere and we will talk to you next time. Thanks. Take care. Bye. Bye.
1: Thank you.